everyone, welcome to Cantable Chase. Let's begin the chapter 5th. The next day, the ghost was very weak and tired. The terrible excitement of last four hours was beginning to have its effect. His nerves were completely shattered and he started at the slightest noise. For five days he kept his room and at last made up his mind to give up the point of the blood stain on the library floor. If the Otis family did not want it, they clearly did not deserve it. They were evidently people on a low material plane of existence and quite incapable of appreciating the symbolic value of sensuous phenomena. The question of fantastic apparitions and the development of astral bodies was of course quite a different matter and really not under this control and really not under his control. It was his sole duty to appear in the corridor once a week and to gibber from the large oriel window on the first and the third Wednesdays in every month and he did not see how he could honorably escape from his obligations. It is quite true that his life had been very evil but upon other hand he was most conscious in all things connected with supernatural. For next three Saturdays accordingly he travels the corridor as usual between midnight and three o'clock, taking every possible precaution against being either heard or seen. He removed his boots, trod as lightly as possible on the old warm eaten boards wore a large black velvet cloak and was careful to use the rising sun lubricator for oiling his chain. I am bound to acknowledge that it was with a good deal of difficulty that he brought himself to adopt this last mode of protection. However, one night while the family were at dinner, he slipped into Mr. Otis's bedroom and carried of the bottle. He felt a little humiliated at first, but afterwards was sensible enough to see that there was a great deal to be said for the invention, and to a certain degree it served his purpose. Still in spite of everything, he was not left unmolested. Strings were continually being stretched across the corridor, over which he tripped in the dark, and on one occasion, while dressed for the part of Black Isaac or the huntsman of Hogley Woods, he met with a severe fall through trading on a butter slide, which the twin had constructed from the entrance of the trapezoid chamber to the top of the oak staircase. The last insult so encouraged him that he resolved to make one final effort to assert his dignity and social position and determined to visit the insolent young Etonians the next night in his celebrated character of Reckless Rupert 
or the headless earl. The ghost now gave up all hope of ever frightening this rude American family and contented himself as ruled with creeping about the passages in last slippers with thick red muffler round his throat for fear of drops and a small abyss in case he should be attacked by the twins. The final blow he received occurred on 19th of September. He had gone downstairs to the great entrance hall, feeling sure that there, at any rate, he would be quite unmolested, and was amused himself by making satirical remarks on the large Saroni photographs of the United States minister and his wife, which had now taken the place of Canterville family pictures. He was simply but neatly clad in a long shroud spotted with churchyard mould, had tied up his jaw with a strip of yellow linen and carried a small latin and a sexton spade. In fact, he was dressed for the character of Jonas and Graveless or the corpse which the Cantervilles had ever reason, had every reason to remember as it was the real origin of their quarrel with their neighbor Lord Rufford. It was about quarter past two o'clock in the morning and as far as he could ascertain, no one was stirring as he was strolling towards the library however to see if there was any traces left on the bloodstain. Suddenly there leaped out on him from the dark corner two figures who waved their arms wildly above their heads and shrugged out BOO in his ear, seized with panic, which under the circumstances was only natural. He rushed for the staircase but found Washington Otis waiting for him there with a big garden syringe and being thus hemmed by his enemies on every side. Unfortunately, he vanished into a great iron stove which fortunately for him was not a lit. The Otises, however, were deceived for the ghost was still in the house and though now almost an invalid, was by no means ready to let matters rest, particularly as he heard that among the guests was the young Duke of Cheshire whose grand-uncle Lord Francis Tilton had once bet hundred guineas with Colonel Cadbury that he would play dice with the Canterville ghost and was found the next morning lying on the floor of the card room in such a helpless paralytic state that though he lived on to a great age he never able to say anything again but double sixes double sixes the story was well known at the time though of course out of respect to the feelings of two noble families every attempt was made to hush it up and a full account of all the circumstances connected with it will be found in the third volume of the lord tattle's recollections of the prince regent and his friends of the prince regent and his friends the ghost then was naturally very anxious to show that he had not lost his influence over the over the Stiltons 
with whom indeed he was distantly connected his own first cousin having been married and second nurses from whom as everyone knows the dukes of cheshire are lineally descended accordingly he made arrangements for appearing to virginia's little lover in his celebrated impersonation of the vampire monk or bloodless panic time a performance so horrible that when lord when old lady start up sight which she had on one fatal new year's eve in the year 1764 she went off into the most piercing shrieks which culminated in violent apoplexy and died in 3 days after disinheriting the cantwells who were here who were her nearest relations and leaving all her money to london apothecary at the last moment however his terror of twins prevented him leaving his room and the little duke slept in peace under the great feathered canopy in the royal bedchamber and dreamt of virginia after this he was not seen again on any nocturnal expedition the twins lay in wait for him on several occasions and stirred the passage with nutshells every night to great annoyance of their parents and servants but it was not of avail but it was of no avail it was quite evident that his feelings were so wounded the ghost's feelings were so wounded that he would not appear mr otis consequently resumed at his great work on the history of the democratic party on which he had been engaged for some years mrs otis organized a wonderful comeback which amazed the whole county the boys took a lacrosse equerry poker and other american national games and the virginia and virginia rode about the lanes on her pony accompanied by young duke of cheshire who had come to spend the last week of his holidays at canterville chase it was generally assumed that ghost had gone away and in fact mr otis wrote a letter to that effect to lord canterville who in reply expressed his great pleasure at the news and sent his best congratulations to minister's worthy wife